0: Thanks very much, Stuart. And it'd be worth keeping that chapter open in front of you in your Bibles as we look through this and as we continue our, our series, through job uh, together. Uh, one of the bits that, that I enjoy when you go to, to the cinema, and I don 't know if this happens all the time, and I don 't really know uh, why it happens, uh, but you sit and you watch the trailers uh, for however long they take uh, hours it seems. you get used to the cinema. Uh, And then when the actual feature presentation, the film that you've come to see, uh, comes on, that the screen, or at least the portion of the screen being projected onto, uh, somehow gets kind of wider, broadens out, and you suddenly get this much larger view. You get this kind of expanded horizon. For some reason... I always find that a bit quite exciting. Maybe that's, uh, that might just be me. Uh, but I mention it because uh, in some ways in this passage in Job chapter 19, we're about, we're about halfway through uh, the book here. Uh, in this passage, we see uh, a few things repeated, things we've seen before. We'll, we'll go through those briefly again. Uh, but really the, the key to this passage, uh, the development that we see here is, is Job uh, expanding his horizons. Uh, coming to see that there is more, Uh, that the way God's world works is bigger uh, than he uh, or his friends had previously uh, appreciated. And that's not to say uh, in any way that all of Job's questions uh, or difficulties are answered. We'll see that Job is still uh, really wrestling uh, with what's going on. Uh, But Job brings into that picture, into that difficult picture, Uh, the the idea of eternity. Uh, Joe brings into that picture the idea that there is something more, there is some hope uh, beyond even the grave, uh, that this life uh, is not all there is. And as we get to to see that idea, and this morning as we we trace that idea through the rest of the Bible as well, uh, we'll see that seeing life uh, in light of eternity is vital uh, if we're to make any sense of the, the suffering, which is such a big part of this book of Job, and which is, which is such a big and an unavoidable part uh, of life in a fallen world. Uh, that, that expanding our horizons, that seeing that that bigger picture uh, is essential uh, for making sense of what is right there in front of us. Again, not, not answering all our questions, uh, not making everything simple, certainly not taking away our suffering. Uh, but actually helping us to grow uh, in wisdom uh, by viewing all of that in light of who God is. So let's look at this chapter together again. uh, This is another of Job's uh, replies to his friends who have these uh, repeated speeches that make up a big chunk of this book. We've skipped over a few of them. We were in chapter 9 last week. where 19 this, that. There's these kind of repeated speeches uh, from these friends who have this fairly simple system, which is basically, if you do good, well, good things will happen to you. If you do evil, uh, bad things will happen to you. Therefore, Job, uh, you must have done something wrong to be suffering like this. That's the kind of summary of their their repeated speeches. But we know, uh, and Job knows, his his innocence. And so he replies uh, to defend himself. Chapter 19 is another of these uh, replies. And what we really see in this chapter, two sections that we'll look through it. uh, We see Job's experience. Uh, what Job thinks is going on, what Job thinks is happening to him. And then secondly, we see Job's hope. Uh, and this is where that kind of expanded horizon comes in as Job starts to hold on this idea, have some certainty in this idea that there is more to life than just what is around him. This idea of eternity is brought into the picture. There is more than just this life uh, marked as it is uh, by struggle and suffering. So let's look at those together. First up, at uh, Job's experience, uh, what Job feels uh, he's going through. And, and we could kind of summarize this by saying two things, that Job feels attacked and abandoned. Uh, attacked and abandoned. First attacked uh, in reply to his friend Bildad, who's been kind of having a go at him uh, throughout chapter 18. And really in, in response to all of his friends uh, who've been offering their, their advice Uh, which is really just criticism and blame in these previous chapters. Uh, Job says, how long will you torment me and break me into pieces with words? How long are you going to keep on having a go at me? Verse 3, these 10 times you've cast reproach upon me. Are you not ashamed to wrong me? Uh, All your speech is just slugging me off. He's basically saying, surely you can see uh, that's not okay. You should be ashamed of yourself. But, he goes on to say, verse 5, if you are going to magnify yourselves against me, if you're going to make yourselves look good at my expense, if you must make my disgrace an argument against me, if you're going to use my suffering as proof of my guilt, well, know this, Job says, verse 6, and know then that God has put me in the wrong and closed his net about me. And that term there, put me in the wrong, Uh, It carries this meaning of of really kind of perverting justice. Uh, Job is not saying that he is in the wrong. Uh, He's saying that is the category God has put him in uh, despite his actions. It's as if uh, God has plucked him up, he thinks, and kind of dropped him down in the bag marked evil or or wicked people. Uh, God is dealing with him as if he were wrong. Now the attack that Job is going through that is really troubling him Uh, isn't what his so-called friends are saying and doing to him. It's what he experiences God as doing to him. It's God who he thinks is attacking him. And that's what verses 8 down to 12 are all about. He has walled up my way. He has stripped from me my glory. He breaks me down on every side. He has kindled his wrath against me and counts me as his adversary. Uh, Verse 12, his troops come on together they have cast up their siege ramp against me and encamp around my tent. Uh, this amazing image, picturing a little Job there in the middle in his tent, uh, being kind of buffeted by the wind and surrounding him uh, is this vast military might representing God's power, their weapons trained on poor, helpless Job. And that's how Job is is understanding this experience, that God in his awesome power has set himself against Job in his helpless weakness. Job feels attacked and attacked by God himself. And again, this might feel familiar. This is something that that Job has spoken about uh, repeatedly. We picked up on it a couple of times. We saw it in the very first couple of weeks. We saw it again last week. Uh, you can catch up on those online. we spoke we about it in a bit more detail there. Um, but it is worth reminding ourselves, emphasizing again what is happening here, uh, because Job has always really operated out of this same simple system that his friends are, are repeating. If you do good, God gives you good. If you do evil, God gives you bad. It's this very small system. Uh, Job hasn't seen uh, what's going on in chapter one and two, the, the introduction to the book, uh, where we actually see that it is Satan. It is the reality of supernatural evil uh, in a fallen world which is causing all this for Job. In fact, there's a really interesting comparison here in verse 21. Uh, for the hand of God has touched me. Job says he thinks all that has come on him is, is from God's hand. Actually, we, we read back in chapter one and two, God says to Satan two times uh, that Job is in your hand. It's actually from Satan's hands uh, that all of this suffering uh, is coming. Again, as with last week, Job doesn't know that, uh, and so he is wrestling with God's character. How could God do this to him? Uh, He feels uh, attacked. Uh, But in Job's experience as well as feeling attacked, uh, he also feels uh, abandoned. And he lays this out in verse 13 uh, down to 22. He says, he has put my brothers far from me. And those who knew me are wholly estranged from me. My relatives have failed me. My close friends have forgotten me. The guests in my house and my maidservants count me as a stranger. And then from verse 17 down, Job lists his wife, uh, his siblings, children, friends, all turned against him. And while Job may be mistaken about the nature of him being attacked, uh, in terms of being abandoned, he's probably completely right. Certainly from the evidence we have, what we've seen, what we've heard of his friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, they are not there encouraging him, but they are running him down and accusing him. They are breaking him in pieces with their words, as Job says. In the time of Job's greatest suffering, in his lowest point, in his hour of need, he doesn't look around and find support and friendship from his loved ones, uh, instead he is abandoned. He is forsaken, he says, completely alone. Uh, And presumably that is because they all operate out of this same kind of system. Their thoughtfulness must be, wow, uh, Job must be a really bad guy for these really bad things to happen to him. Uh, You know, God must be really displeased with Job, so it's probably best if we kind of keep our our distance as well. We don't want to associate with someone like that. And that's Job's experience, attacked, and abandoned and really i think that's there to set the scene for what we're about to look at job's hope Uh, even in the face of that that's what we're going to kind of major on uh, this morning but i think there are still some really pretty simple points we can take from this uh, as well first is to make sure that we remember uh, the bigger picture Uh, in some ways the more complicated picture Uh, that when bad things happen to us when we suffer as we all will uh, that we remember that this isn't God attacking us. That's such an easy thing to fall into thinking. But that we don't make that, that same mistake uh, that Job is making. This isn't God attacking us. But actually, as, as much as we don't like to think about it, uh, that we take seriously the reality of Satan. And the Bible gives us very clearly the, the reality of evil, of forces less than God, uh, but, but opposed to God. And if we just try and kind of ignore that and block that out and say that sounds kind of uh, silly or or childish or whatever, then then we'll struggle actually in the face of suffering because who else could cause it but God? Uh, It's important to remember that, the reality of Satan. That's a key point uh, running through the book uh, of Job. Uh, In a way, we are attacked, but not by God, uh, but by the, the evil which is opposed to everything Uh, that God has created and everything good that God is doing. We we perhaps don't like to think about that. And and it's right not to kind of overly dwell on that. We don't want to be fixated on these things. Uh, But we do need to remember the reality of that to understand the world that we live in and the situations that we and our loved ones go through, the suffering that we see around us. There's a a scene in the uh, BBC series Luther where Idris Elba is asked, uh, don't you believe in evil? And he replies, I have to, I've seen it. You know, when we see pain and suffering in our world, when we go through that, as Job goes through that, what we are seeing is uh, the reality of evil, not an angry, uh, capricious, uh, mean-spirited God attacking people at will, not God putting people in the wrong unfairly as Job thinks is happening, but rather the opposition to God Uh, being worked out in our worlds uh, and in our lives. So as we think about Joe's experience, we need to remember again uh, that suffering is not an attack from God, uh, but instead we want to take seriously the the reality of evil, but perhaps even more fundamentally, uh, perhaps even more simply and perhaps even more practically, uh, we just need to see that that we don't abandon people in their time of suffering. Uh, If suffering isn't God turning away from people, and, and it isn't, and then it's so important that we don't turn away from people. And that in people's hardest times, and we've seen this in Job, who was a good man, but in hard times, people have all sorts of questions about where God is and what God is doing. And but that in that, those hard times, they would always know that God's people are right there with them and alongside them. It can be hard to move toward people who are going through hard times. It can be, it can be costly Walking with people through through difficult times is not easy. And yet again, it's so important. And hopefully one of the things that this book of Job can help us to do, not to to abandon, uh, but to stick with people in their suffering and gently, uh, patiently, wisely through that, uh, be able to point them back uh, to the hope that the gospel offers. All right, and that moves us into our, our, our second section. We've seen Job's experience, uh, attacked and abandoned. Let's move on uh, to Job's hope. Uh, really kind of the last quarter of this chapter from verse uh, 23 onwards. Let me read in fact verses 23 to 27 again because they are, are just incredible verses. These are such great words uh, from Job. It says this, uh, Oh that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. Uh, and really, this is the point as we began by saying that, that Job's uh, horizon uh, expands as he finds hope. Uh, he finds hope in a redeemer and a redeemer who will rescue beyond the grave. Uh, as we said, this idea of eternity, of there being more than just this life uh, comes to the fore in Job's mind. And see how it's there with real confidence. Uh, we saw last week, uh, chapter 9. Job was saying there is no arbiter, which could have been translated if only there were an arbiter, perhaps just a, a glimmer or, or a seed of hope of someone to connect him with God. But look how by this point in the book, although Job's situation is still the same, although his experience is still bleak, Job is able to say, for I know that my Redeemer lives. Job is able to hold on to that with, with real confidence. And that word there that Job uses for, for redeemer, it's a word that can carry a, a big kind of range of meanings. It can mean a, a vindicator. It can mean your, your, your champion. It's someone who will speak up for you. It's someone who will stand up for you when you feel you've been wronged. It's someone who will, who will intervene. Job knows that he will not just kind of fade away into injustice, as helpless as he feels. Uh, His friend's words about him uh, will not be the final word about him uh, because he knows his Redeemer lives. His Redeemer lives. And I want to spend the rest of uh, this morning just thinking about the hope Uh, that an eternal redeemer is able to offer, even in in the hardest of times, even in the midst of suffering. And it won't, I don't think, come as any surprise uh, to know that in the unfolding story of the Bible, uh, that redeemer is revealed to be none other than Jesus Christ himself. As I think about the difference Uh, that he makes, that the hope that he offers, uh, as we look through three things that are are particularly emphasized about this Redeemer by Job, uh, that make all the difference. And and the first is simply that he lives. And that we can say, uh, with Job, my Redeemer lives. And we don't live in a a hopeless world. Uh, Even when we are suffering, we are not abandoned, we are not left to our own devices, we're not alone. There is one speaking for us. There is one vindicating for us. There is one acting on our behalf. And we read it in Romans chapter eight, Christ Jesus is the one who died, Uh, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And Jesus is that redeemer who lives and is representing us before God. And so while Job's friends uh, or, or Satan himself might, might accuse, saying he's a sinner, uh, she's a sinner, uh, they deserve this punishment, they deserve to suffer. Uh, Jesus, our Redeemer, stands with God and says, no. That, that because Jesus lives, because he has suffered in our place, because he has died and yet rose again for those who trust in him, uh, Jesus is able to say, these are, these are my people. Uh, These people are loved. Their their suffering is not an argument against them. Uh, It's not an indictment against them. Uh, In suffering, we can know it. We're not being attacked by God uh, because in Jesus, God himself is our Redeemer uh, who has suffered for us uh, and now stands on our behalf declaring that because he lives, uh, we can know he is for us and not against us. Uh, The first thing we see about this Redeemer, a foundational truth for us to always remember and remind ourselves and one another about Jesus. The reason we can find hope in him uh, is because he lives. A second job goes on to say, my Redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth. Uh, As well as knowing that Jesus lives, it's essential we know that Jesus will return. And again, this is where that idea of eternity comes into the picture that makes all the difference. God is not finished with his creation. We're not at the end of the story. Even our death will not be the end of the story. But actually, Jesus, the Redeemer, will return. Now, one of the things that, in a lot of ways, i found kind of hard going through Job and trying to follow the argument of this book is not being able to look forward. You know, there's that kind of temptation to, to jump ahead and look and see what's to come. And yet we've tried not to do that because so far, Job hasn't yet been doing that. And yet now he's able to see that. Uh, the thing that makes the biggest difference when we consider uh, our fallen world, when we consider the, the suffering that we go through, when we see the injustice all around us, when we see good people, uh, just being dragged through one thing after another after another and none of it their fault. Uh, the thing that, that I truly believe makes the biggest difference uh, and the reason that the Bible can offer a genuine hope uh, where the world has none, where the world either just has to say, well, that's how things are, so get used to it, or you know just kind of suck it up, you know, grin and bear it. Uh, the thing that makes all the difference in the world is to look forward and say that Jesus, that the Redeemer, is coming back. And that he is not finished with his creation. But as Job says, that at the last, he will stand upon the earth. And we see this as laid out for us at the close of the Bible. The final book, the book of Revelation, speaks about that time when Jesus, the, the Redeemer, will return in victory. And that that will be the time when Satan will be defeated. That will be the time when, when suffering is no more. Uh, Great words in in Revelation uh, chapter 21, which I think we could almost say are the kind of the climax of the whole Bible, uh, that say of that day, God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Uh, Job just gets this glimpse. Uh, which the rest of the Bible confirms of the Redeemer coming back to his creation, the the return of the King. And that is the time when suffering is done away with. And that is the time when God will rule uh, with perfect justice, where, where Satan will have no place, where every trace of sin and its consequences will be removed, and where perfection will be restored, where we will enjoy life as it was designed to be the return of the Redeemer. And thirdly, and perhaps most incredibly of all, Job says of this Redeemer, and after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Now, this Redeemer will not just kind of return uh, sort of to do his own thing. It's not that the Redeemer will come back, but it will be too late for, for Paul. Job. He'll be long gone, and perhaps many of us will be as well. Job knows that even after his own death, even after his skin is destroyed, his body is given up, that still he shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, he says. And again, we're not kind of getting the the full picture here. Job himself is confident, and yet doesn't know all of the details. It's suppose, looking kind of to a, to a mountain in the midst where you, you see it's there, you can see it's solid, uh, but you can't make out all of the different features. It's a bit hazy. Um, it's a bit like how Job is looking forward, but he's looking forward and, and speaking here uh, about resurrection, isn't he? About physical, bodily resurrection. His confidence, his hope is in the fact not just that the Redeemer lives, but that Job will live again. In my flesh I shall see God. And The Christian hope in suffering is that this life is not all there is, but there is the certainty of resurrection to come. Not resurrection simply to more of the same. Uh, not a kind of reincarnation where we get to have another go and see if we can do better next time. Uh, but a resurrection into the the perfectly restored creation ruled by uh, the returned Redeemer, Jesus Christ. A a resurrection to where we will see God with our own eyes uh, and enjoy being with him forever. And That is the only way that we can make sense of of our suffering here and now. That's the only way we can deal with suffering here and now. Uh, That knowledge that there is a Redeemer that he was the ultimate righteous sufferer, that he suffered unto death, even death on a cross. He took God's anger at sin, uh, the punishment for sin, uh, so that we might know that he is not the cause of our suffering. And yet he rose again, my Redeemer lives. Uh, He will return, he will restore, and he will welcome in those who have trusted in him. We shall see him face to face. Uh, And that that, that that is the hope Uh, That is the kind of enlarged horizon. That is the the bigger picture where where Job finds his confidence here in this chapter uh, and where we need to look too. That is the the hope we have also to to hold out to those who are suffering. Uh, Not to say, well, you know, it's not that bad. Uh, Not to say, oh, I'm sure that you'll, you know, you'll look back and laugh. Not to say, oh, in a few weeks or months or years, it'll all make sense. You know, we don't know any of those things. We can't promise any of those things. Uh, But that the Redeemer lives and invites us to put our trust in him, that is what the Bible promises. That is the hope that we're able to share, that he will return, that he will restore, that he will welcome. And actually, Job then finishes this chapter really by, I suppose, turning the tables on his friends a little bit. His friends, we call them really his accusers might be a more accurate term. Verse 28 and 29, speaking again to them, he says, if you say how we will pursue him, and the root of the matter is found in him. Be afraid of the sword, for wrath brings the punishment of the sword, that you may know there is a judgment. Now, Job is saying here, if you keep your, your tiny little system, uh, you know, your, your kind of karma, as it were, your, your rules that say good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people, that's it. And you know, this system that has no space for undeserved suffering, uh, really no space for grace, uh, no space for or need for a, a redeemer. Uh, we'll be careful, Job says. Because there will be uh, a judgment. That's where this chapter finishes. You know, one day our actions will be weighed. Uh, we don't get all we deserve here and now. Suffering does not mean sinfulness. Uh, but we will get it in the future. We will get it in eternity. Uh, Job's friends who think that because they're doing fine, uh, they must have done nothing wrong who therefore feel able and compelled even to kind of accuse others and find fault in other people, actually, unless they recognize their need for this Redeemer, it is they who will face this judgment. If they're trusting in their righteousness, it is they who are heading for a fall. Instead, for them, and for all of us this morning, they need to look to the Redeemer. The Redeemer, the Bible reveals, as God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. It's only for those who like Job or uh, for like you this morning if you're a Christian uh, have put their trust in Jesus uh, can, that can have this eternal confidence uh, that makes all the difference uh, in the suffering that we go through here and now. Uh, and that's an invitation to put our trust in Jesus to find our hope in him to, to lay claim to that redeemer. Uh, that is an invitation which is there uh, open and offered To all of us. Let me finish with these great words again. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, so often our horizons are so small. Uh, we think and we live as if this life is all there is. Uh, and then when, when hard times come, uh, when we see or experience suffering, it's, it's heartbreaking because there's, there's nowhere else to look. Uh, there's nothing else we can put our hope in. Lord, please help us to see our existence in light of eternity. Please help us to really grasp in our day-to-day lives uh, that there is more than just this world. And that although there is great pain and suffering here and now, that you have promised restoration. That you have promised a perfect future where suffering and pain will be no more. Where every tear from every eye will be wiped away. But we thank you that you have made that possible through Jesus. And that he is the Redeemer who has acted on our behalf. And that he suffered in our place. That he rose again victorious. That our Redeemer lives that he will return to reign and that our eyes will see him. Lord, we, we ask that you would help us to trust in to trust in him, uh, to find our hope in him and that even in the darkest of times we will be able to look ahead and live in anticipation of that day when we will see you face to face, uh, when suffering will be no more and we will live for all eternity in your glory. Lord, please help us to uh, be encouraged with that truth. Please help us to uh, encourage one another with that truth. Please help us uh, to encourage those we know in the world around us with that truth, uh, gently, wisely, patiently, uh, drawing alongside them in their suffering uh, and pointing them to the hope that is only found in the gospel. And Lord, we just pray very very practically and very mundanely that you would help that truth of eternity and the gospel uh, to stay with us this week uh, as the reality of our, our world hits us once again and lord we ask that in all of this uh, we would do this for your strength and for your glory and we pray this in jesus name amen